Our second reading uh, this morning comes from Galatians chapter 1, and it is on page 1130, 1130 in the church Bibles. So it's Galatians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 9. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by men, but from, by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from, our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than that which we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Morning, everyone. Uh, let's pray. Uh, gracious Father, thank you. Thank you that we're here and we pray to be able to hear over the rain. We ask, Lord, that you would direct us, help us, lead us, change us, mould us and shape us, encourage us, make us joyful in who you've made us to be in Christ. And we pray as we turn to your word, you would keep me from error, we would ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I had a little white sheet, but I've left it in the car. So it's one of those things. It's very good in the car, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's a little white sheet. It's an introduction, which meant I wouldn't be saying much of this, but now I'll say it, I suppose, a bit. It's a little white sheet. It's a, it just sets up where this is situated and how it all comes together. It's by N.T. Wright. Is someone I wouldn't normally, I actually don't agree with N.T. Wright in Galatians, but his introduction on what's happening here was quite well worded and I just used that. Paul is back home in Antioch and he's, he, while he's there, he mixes with all, with Jew and Gentile. Peter comes along and he joins in and he doesn't worry about anything. He joins and he's happy quite happy to share fellowship with everyone who's there. Then some people who say they come from James come from Jerusalem and things change. They say, Peter, what are you doing? Why are you eating with these guys? They don't do this, they don't do that. Peter, for whatever reason, withdraws. He gets cold feet, whatever that is. And Paul confronts him and there's a whole confrontation there and he realises, uh, that's Peter, realises he's done the wrong thing. 
Paul then hears that something similar has gone down in these churches in Galatia, which is this book here. It's a rather urgent letter. As you read it, it has a very strong sense of urgency and something that really needs to be addressed right now. Paul is being undermined here. We don't actually know where these churches are because there's a province named Galatia which the Romans set up and it's possibly it's in there. Possible that these could be people from uh, Gaul. Do you know where Gaul is? Anyone got the Gaul to answer that question? France. Yeah, that's right. There's Gauls. Uh, so it's possible that there are people from Gaul who are now been moved across, have come across and live in Turkey and think that. So that could be where we're writing. So we don't know who he's exactly writing to, but he's really alarmed, really alarmed. So today's uh, sermon title, which I think is, is that on the sheet? It is on the sheet, isn't it? Who has bewitched you? That actually comes from chapter 3, verse 1. He's astonished. What is going on? So he needs to confront them, and he's so surprised about what's going on. It's been a really quick, strange change on their behalf. Because Paul, uh, people have come, they've said you need to get circumcised, uh, you need to be obeying the Jewish law, you need to observe seven days and eat certain things at certain times. Paul needs to confront this because something is going on. He has come with the message of grace and truth in Jesus and people have come in and undermined him and said, well, that's nice, but you need this and this and this. So Paul wants to make, and the first point I want to say, he wants to make sure they understand that he, his message is not from men nor through men. Uh, Paul has two things, really, he wants to nail in this letter. That he is a divinely appointed apostle in verse 1 and then in verse 4 that we are saved by grace and grace alone. As we know, Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. It means sent one, and eventually we will make that as a, as a term that says he has authority as the foundation of the church. Paul's been sent by Jesus and our Father in heaven to take this message by his spirit to all people, particularly to the Gentiles. Uh, when we read Acts 15, that's something we got. Peter had been sent to the Jewish people, the circumcised, while Paul had been sent to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. If you keep reading Acts, though, you'll find that Paul actually goes to the Jewish synagogue first and then does other things. But it's not really meant to be a tightly drawn line. Paul is a divinely appointed apostle. Paul means, is writing this letter because, as I said, he's been undermined. 
Paul was sent to them, he preached to them, and they responded. He knows them quite well. He didn't spend a long time there, we think, but they do know him, and he feels very warm and responsible for them. But Paul is being targeted. He's being attacked. And if you've got a Bible, you might want to follow these references with me or just write them down or do nothing. 4.17, he says in chapter 4, verse 17, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. Alienated from us, it probably relates to verse 2 where he says his letter is from all the brothers and sisters with me. Uh, that's probably what he means. But Paul is saying these people have another agenda. They're going to transfer you from what you have believed and what ties you to us to their agenda and move to them. Paul wants them to realise that they rest in the grace of Jesus alone. He wants them to hold on to that and he wants them to know that this is not merely a human gospel. His gospel is divinely given. He wants to contrast with the other people who are coming and undermining him, saying they have a human gospel, which he says is no, not good news at all. Paul has seen this response of the Galatians to the real message of Jesus, and he is staggered. Verse 6, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Verse Chapter 3, verse 1, I mentioned, this is where we get the title from, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? My translation is not often supported, but here it is. You nongs, who pulled the wool over your eyes? People don't like that translation, but there you go, it's mine. This false message has a gospel plus agenda. Circumcision is a real letter in this, in this uh, sorry, is a real issue in this letter, and we'll call it the flesh. Uh, chapter 2, verse 3, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. Chapter 2, verse 12, the circumcision group mentioned says they come from James, the brother of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Chapter 5, verse 11, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. Chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. Those of who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you 
to be circumcised. I'll stop there. It's a flesh versus spirit battle in this letter. Paul's message is spirit and it is truth. It is God's message. It's not a human message, which is flesh. Chapter 1, verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Chapter 3, verse 1, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Time and time again, flesh versus spirit. Following the law is a big thing in this add-on that these false teachers have brought in. Uh, I was only talking yesterday to someone who was uh, in the Worldwide Church of God. Have you ever heard of Worldwide Church of God? Yes. So uh, Armstrong, is that right? Armstrong, uh, I always forget his first name. Uh, Garner 10, uh, he preached a lot of, one of the things he did preach was the law. So they did the law and they had special days and special feasts and they would have recently just finished the feast of, I'm forgetting <laughs> because I don't observe them, but he was telling me we just would have recently finished that feast. It was very much obey this and obey that do this and do that. Here, that's exactly what they want them to do. They want them to follow the law. They want them to be circumcised if they're not circumcised and to celebrate certain days. Chapter 4, verse 10. You are observing special days and months, seasons and years. Observing those things and circumcision really aren't the problem, but rather it's their devotion. Their absolute devotion to doing those things, it's making them, they think, right with God. It's a gospel plus it's nice, but you need to do these things. It's a contrast between grace and law that Paul ends up saying. It's a great contrast between flesh and spirit. Secondly, grace and peace to you, verse Chapter 3, sorry, verse 3 and verse 5. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a theological statement. Grace and peace to you. Grace comes from what Jesus has done for you and he gives it to you as a gift. There's nothing you can do to get it. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And what results? Peace. That is the peace that the Galatians are now being, is being taken away from them because they're always worried about doing this and doing that and doing this. Verse 4, Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us. 
from the present age. This is God's work. And it done as God the Father, the Godhead, has done this. God our Father and Jesus Christ. Right from the start of this letter, Paul keeps emphasising the divine action, God's action, and how graceful that is to us in Jesus from our God and Father. It's an important thing for Paul. It's the cornerstone of his argument. Divine grace has come and it's God's work, not yours, not the Galatians, not someone else. It's, a, it's the Godhead acting together for you. The Trinity is everywhere in Galatians. Have you ever heard of Isaac Newton? Anyone heard of You've eaten an apple, Phil? Yeah, so you know about Isaac. Yeah. Isaac Newton studied at Oxford, and he studied at Oxford to become a minister of the Church of England. When he'd done a bit of study, he got, he finally said, I can't do this anymore because the Trinity is not true. It's something they made up in the fourth century. Now, Isaac Newton was a very intelligent man, as you know. But I've always wondered why he listened to his church history lectures instead of reading the Bible. Because the reason why anyone said anything in the fourth century was because they'd read the Bible. I've always wondered that. The Galatians is full of the Trinity. Jesus died for our sins according to God our Father's will and his spirit has been released into the world and is gathering his people to himself. Jesus' death came for that purpose. Jesus' death means there is no enmity between God and us. We are sailing, if you like, there's plenty of water around at the moment, unfortunately. We are sailing in the good ship Jesus. But the Galatians are deserting the ship, which is our third point. Verses 6 to 9, desertion. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one you call, one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. It's about here in that part of a letter that Paul normally will have a thanksgiving or a blessing, but it shows that he's really, really concerned, quite alarmed, and he's right into it. He's right into his arguments here. He has the nub right here of what he's concerned of, and it's pretty damning. The Galatians are being led away. They're actually deserting the good ship. Things are serious. They're being led away by a different gospel. It's a perversion, a distortion, and they're in confusion. 
The message they've heard has led them to Jesus, but now these other guys have come in, undermined Peter, discredited him. So Paul, undiscredited Paul, we've done so much Peter lately, discredited Paul, and they're leading them away. They've added the requirements of circumcision. They've added keeping days, months, years of the Jewish calendar, so it seems. It's In the end, it will be a, a confusion how the Old Testament and the New Covenant relate. It's a very important point. It's serious. Verse 8, this is how serious Paul thinks it is. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. It's very serious business. Distorting the message, confusing people, leading them astray, anyone doing that is in serious, and this is a serious theological term here, they are in the serious doo-doo. That didn't get a laugh at Wentworth Falls either, but anyway, so I don't know what that is. I can't get a laugh today. Anyway, it's very serious. It's so serious, Paul repeats the fact that they are under God's curse. Serious. And we've set the whole thing up. Paul is concerned and he's serious. As we finish today, we wonder, have we set up our own rules? Have you ever heard of the... Uh, I, there's a whole bunch of people who were sort of my parents' age who didn't like going to church anymore. And one of the things they used to tell me because there was all these rules. It wasn't really about knowing Jesus. Now, they obviously had their own things going on. But there was no drinking, no dancing. You're nodding. That's true. No smoking. Probably good. No tattoos. Bad, bad news for you, Joyce. <laughs> that is funny. Um, sorry, Joyce. <laughs> I'm moving quickly. Law keeping. You need to be Presbyterian. You need to have certain government of the way the church is run. You can't be saved unless you're baptised in a certain way, unless you're an adult. You end up with, very easily, you end up with Jesus plus. We need to be careful. We're in the 80s. If you're anyone old enough to be around in the 80s, all my, uh, all my uh, charismatic friends would say things like, uh, you need to speak in tongues. Now they don't all say they didn't all say that. Some did. Gospel plus what ended up being the important thing? It always ends up the plus, the add-ons. It's subtle. And we could be like that. I could be like that. Subtle, but it becomes seriously mistaken. Worse, you could drag people away from grace and confuse them. Paul wants them to know this is the gospel that 
God has come in the person of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. It's about him. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. But it's all about God's grace. Nothing we've done or can do will save us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you. It's all about you, not us. Thank you that you've saved us. We're all over the place. How could we ever be assured of that? How could we ever have peace in ourselves and peace with you? But our Lord Jesus has brought us peace by what he has done for us. And he has given his peace, the peace that passes all understanding to us, a gracious gift that comes from your grace and mercy to us. We pray that we would rest in it. It's really hard to get this stuff right, much harder than we think. But, Lord, we would pray that, Lord, we would stick to the truth of your gospel and acknowledge who you are and praise you in all that you have done. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.